All right, good morning. <clears throat> I like it. All these months we had to give up greeting for, uh, well, you know why. <clears throat> Glad you're here this morning, and uh, hope you have a Bible with you. If not, we'll put the scriptures up on the screen, but I invite you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4 in your Bible whether it's a hard copy or on your phone. Uh, we're going to look at a section of Ephesians 4 that continues this idea of how we're intended to walk out our faith because of what Christ has done for us. If you haven't been with us, we have this whole year been looking at this letter that Paul wrote to the believers in a town called Ephesus. And he spends the first three chapters not giving a single command Rather, he spends three chapters simply telling them, here is how much God loves you and everything that God has done for you. And I want us to, always as we go through chapter four and five, because they are loaded then with commands about how we're to live, that we understand, this is so important, that we live out our faith based on what God has done for us. Because if we lose sight of the foundation of what we live out is what, has God done, what God has done in us, it then just becomes this list of do's and don'ts. It's not an extension of a relationship. So everything that we hear this morning, understand, it flows out of a relationship that we have with God because of what Christ has done for us. So let me recap, as I'm going to do probably every week, who I am in Christ according to Ephesians chapter 1, 2, and 3. I am, first of all, alive from the dead. I was born physically alive, spiritually dead in my sin. And Christ took this dead person, dead in my sin, and made me alive in Christ and he blessed me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And I'm chosen, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, informed, a sealed heir, a child of God. And loved perfectly. He could not love me more. That's how much he loves me. Loves me perfectly and strengthens me supernaturally. In order that... Not by occupation, but by every one of us who are alive in Christ, we'd be ministers at home, ministers on our street, ministers at work. That's why we prayed the way we prayed this morning, that we would abide in him as ministers that he has made us in Christ. I genuinely hope after you take tomorrow off, some of you, kind of funny, Labor Day and we take it off. That we would go back to work on Tuesday with clarity. I'm here. Because the father answered the son's prayer. Don't take them out of the world. Keep them in. Keep them in. Sanctified by my truth that they would be the instruments. That's what chapter 4 and 5 and Ephesians are about how we would live in our homes, how we would live on our streets, how we would live as a body, how we'd live at work so that the life of Christ would be made manifest in our lives and that the work of Christ would be done through us. So this is who we are. This is the relationship. Out of that, he says, here's how I want you to live. Here's how I want you to Walk in Christ. First, walk in unity through humility. That's what we saw in the first six verses of chapter four. Then to walk in service to the body of Christ. Then to walk in growing maturity in Christ. And we say growing maturity because none of us are fully mature, right? In other words, all of us in some way, in attitude, action, thought, or motive, we are not yet like Jesus fully. To varying degrees, there's maturity. Hopefully, you are, if you are in Christ, more mature this year than you were last year spiritually. You're more like Jesus. People experience Jesus through you more. That's growing maturity. But we all have room to grow more like Christ. That's where we've gotten so far in chapter 4. This morning, Ephesians 4 
17 through 24, we're going to look at his instruction now to walk in new paths. Because of who we are, we're to walk in new paths. Now, think about it. If the instruction is to walk in in new paths, what does that assume? There were old paths, right? And he starts with identifying the old paths. Look with me, chapter 4, verse 17 now in your Bible. So this I say, he says, and affirm together with the Lord. In other words, the Lord's on my side on this one. That you walk no longer. See, this is different. It used to be, the first, it would walk this way, walk this way. Don't, he says now in this section, don't walk this way. Just as the Gentiles also walk in, how do they walk? In the futility of their mind, being darkened in their understanding, excluded from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the hardness of their heart. And they, having become callous, have given themselves over to sensuality for the practice of every kind of impurity with greediness. So let's pause there in the text and identify. There's old paths. And he breaks down the old paths into four categories. And I'm going to run through them. If you like to take notes, I'm going to run through them pretty quickly. He says, there's first the former path category of our behavior. The things that we do, the actions that we used to take according to who we used to be. And he says that former behavior was sensual, impure, and greedy. In other words, you were driven by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life. That's what drove you. That's the old path. I just want to do what feels good, will make me rich, and make me happy. Probably you can go, yeah, I I remember driven being driven by that. That was the old paths in which I walked. Those were the deciding factors. But he says, it's just not your old paths of your behavior. It's also your old paths of your thinking. And he describes their thinking in the text in two ways. He says, your thinking first was futile. In other words, we looked at this word earlier in Ephesians. It was pointless. Like a pencil without a point, is pointless. It's not, it can't accomplish its intended purpose. Your thinking was pointless, and it was pointless because it was darkened. Didn't have the light of Christ exposed. So your behavior, sensual, impure, greedy. Your thinking, futile, darkened. Why? Then he addresses in the same three verses, I don't know if you saw this, but he then addresses the condition of their heart. He said the the former heart was twofold. It was hard and it was calloused. I didn't make these texts, these words up. They're all in the text. I hope you're seeing that. That in these three verses, your behavior, your thinking, your heart. Hard-hearted, calloused, unresponsive to God. And ultimately, he says, that's because your former condition identified in the text is that you were separated from God. You were excluded from the life of God. He weaves these ideas of your behavior, your thinking, your heart, and your condition together in these verses. But let me put them together for you. Why do we do what we do? Because of what we think. Why do we think what we think? Because the condition of our heart. And why is our heart hard and calloused? Because it's separated from God. Do you understand that? So crucial to understanding ourselves is that we do what we do because we think what we think because our heart is what it is and our heart separated from God. So here's why that's so important. Can I have you guys for a moment? If you're cooking bacon, stop, look at me. I know what people do at home, trying to hear me over the sizzle. 
unless our heart condition has changed. We're never really going to have heart change, mind change, and ultimately behavior change. That is so crucial because church in many people's thinking is just about behavior change. Just, I just need to be a better husband. I just need to be a better parent. I just need to be a better person. I have destructive practices and habits in my life, and I just need to change them. And you have to understand, I do what I do because I think what I think because my heart is what it is, and my heart is what it is because I'm separated from God. And if there's ever going to be change, and, and I think you know this, you know this in the people that you love who never change, you know in your heart of hearts, you're going, until there, there is a condition, a relationship with God established, we're just going to always be frustrated. And he's going, you did what you did because you were who you were. And then something changed. Look back to the text. What changed? Verse 20. But you didn't learn Christ in this way. He says it in the negative, but he's saying, you used to walk this way because you used to think this way because your heart used to be that way because you were separated from God. But then you learned Christ. You didn't learn Christ in this way. He says, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is where? Where? In Jesus. That's the defining pivotal moment. You see, you and I are always going to pursue sensuality and impurity and money and happiness through what we can acquire until we come to the decision that we go, wow, I have learned life is in Jesus. And I go from separated to God to one with God. And when my heart becomes one with God, when I learn Christ, then, then he begins to change me. Not from the outside in, but from the inside out. See, we just give ourselves away. Sometimes we just don't want to change. We just want people to think better of us. We're so concerned with our external actions And God sees us to the core and he says, no, if you're going to have a life change, it's not from the outside in, it's from the inside out. And it has to start with learning Christ. In other words, finding that's where life is found, in Jesus. So there's, there's this pivotal change. You used to walk these paths and then he says, Your life changed. You learned Christ. And when you learned Christ, you went from separated to God to reconciled to God. In other words, reconciled, broken, brought back together. If you want to read about that later, write 1 Peter 3.18 beside it. Jesus died for sin once for all. The just for the unjust, watch, so that he might bring us back to God. That's what 1 Peter 3.18 says. To reconcile us so that we could move from futility, pointlessness, to our life would now have a point because now we can live our intended purpose, live out a relationship with God. When we learn Christ, the core Movement was reconciled to God, restored to relationship with God. When that happens, here's the overflow of that. My sin is forgiven. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 6.23, beside, your sin is forgiven. I was once under condemnation. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who were in Christ Jesus. And my slavery to sin, broken. 
Not only is my sin forgiven, my behavior that was an overflow of my separation from God, when I'm restored to him, that sin is forgiven and the slavery to sin is broken. Romans 6, 6. That I am no longer, sin is no longer my master. Still present in my life? Desire? Ah, but slavery to it? Broken. See, it's not only that the penalty for sin has been paid for, but the power of sin is broken in my life when I'm reconciled to God. Third, reality of my reconciled to God is now the righteousness of Christ is yours. The righteousness of Christ, this is the great exchange that I don't ever want us to get over. That we went from guilty and under condemnation to reconciled and the righteousness of Christ is not something that I just go after. It's something that is made mine. Right beside this, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. 2 Corinthians 5, 21. He, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. And not only is his righteousness mine, the Holy Spirit now indwells me to live a new life. The Holy Spirit is poured into my heart so that I might become a partaker of the divine nature. And you can write beside that, 2 Peter 1.3. 2 Peter 1.3, why? Because it says his, the Holy Spirit's divine power has granted to us everything we need for life and for godliness. It's the power of the cross. That's why we started with what? If you were here on time? (laughs) Hallelujah for the cross. Because just if you've been taking notes, look look at what happened. In your behavior, in your thinking, in your heart, in your spiritual condition, everything was dark and hard and quite frankly bad. And then Christ took you, watch, from separated to God to one with God. And so, we don't often do this, but we're going to pause right now and we're going to sing again. And here's why. Because there's one thing for me to say it to you and for some of you to look at me and nod. And for the rest of you just to look at me. It's one thing for me to say it to you. It's another thing for you to declare it. So we're going to simply declare, and many of you will know this song, I am not the same anymore. That's an important declaration. If, watch, if you have placed faith in Christ. So I don't want to assume that everybody here, everybody watching has learned Christ. It's possible to learn church. It's possible to learn behavior modification. It's possible to learn religious exercise. I read my Bible, I say prayers. But there's a difference between that and learning Christ. Learning Christ means this. Jesus, I need you to be my savior. I can't help myself. I can't be good enough. I can't resolve my guilt. (laughs) And when I'm leading my life, I'm leading a wreck. Some of you know that very, very clearly. You tried to run your life and you ran it into the ground and ruined it. Seriously. And Jesus says, come to me. Trust in me and I will reconcile you. I'll forgive you. I'll set you free. I'll give you the righteousness of Christ. I'll pour my spirit into you. So I want to invite you, if you've never trusted in Jesus, to admit your sin, your need, 
and ask him to save you. If you have, then you're a new person. You are not the same anymore. So let's stand and let's declare this together. So before you have a seat, bow with me. And and in your own words, just quietly where you stand, would you tell the Lord, thank you for rescuing me, for changing my heart, making me new. Thank him for pouring his spirit into your life, new power to live new ways, to walk new paths. As we declared that, I I couldn't help but think, so we thank the Lord that there's somebody in your life again, that it's breaking your heart that they're not changed, changed, that they're still the same. And the chains that bind them are not undone. Pray again, Lord. Pray for them. That God would open their eyes, that they would learn Christ. And now pray for yourself in this way. Lord, teach me, help me to live in the freedom you've bought, to walk in new paths according to the righteousness I've been given. Lord, that's what we desperately need to hear from you. So would you continue to speak from your word to us in Christ's name, amen. So the passage changes now from how we used to be and how we used to think until we learn Christ. But I want to keep this super real, super practical Because you and I have been granted the righteousness of Christ. But I think all of us can very easily acknowledge we're not the same in our condition, but sometimes, in some ways, we're still the same person we used to be, right? If that's hard for you to, well, what do you mean? Here's what I mean. Just think about this. 
What is, whether in behavior or thought, still a part of your life that was never a part of the life of Jesus? That's where you go, oh, <laughs> I've been given the righteousness of Christ, but I've not yet lived out that in my relationships. And so to walk new paths is different. Watch. To walk new paths is different than simply being delivered from old paths. You can be forgiven for old paths. You can be delivered from slavery to those old paths. But there's something different about them beginning to walk new paths. There's where the text goes next. So uh, let's look at what it says together. First, verse 22. I don't know why it says thin. Then, in reference to your former manner of life, (laughs) that was not subliminal messaging right there about eating less on Labor Day. Then, in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self, which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit. So if we're going to walk new paths according to what we have learned in Christ, we're going to first have to learn to lay aside. Colossians uses another picture called put off. The idea, though, is simply I'm going to have to lay aside old patterns, old ways, old thinking, old behaviors if I'm going to walk new paths. Because I can't walk new and walk old. So I'm going to have to lay aside. Next verse. Verse 23. And that you may be renewed in the spirit of your mind. So if I'm going to change... In the sense of living out what Christ has placed in, where you have in your mind, where what's still true of my life that was never part of the life of Jesus, I'm going to have to learn to lay aside and I'm going to have to learn to second, renew my mind. Because where do my behaviors come from? My thinking. So if I'm going to live new, I need to learn to think new. As I have been made new. And then finally verse 24. And put on. I lay aside and then I renew. And then third I put on the new self. Which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. So I lay aside. Then what do I do with my mind? I renew my mind. And third I have to put on. Now you may go, if you're taking notes, well, you skipped a bunch of stuff in the middle. Okay, now we're going to come back and deal with the specifics of laying aside, renewing my mind, and then put on. But it's important that we understand, watch, all three of them are essential for walking new paths. I can't do one of the three, two of the three. Even if I do two of the three, I won't end up walking in new paths. There must be a laying aside, a renewing of my mind, and then a putting on. So, I have in front of us simply an object that that helps us think about this. Because all of us, whether you've moved away from a dresser and you just have closets now and you don't have like old antique dressers, uh, every one of us get dressed every day. Hopefully. (laughs) You at least get dressed for church. Hopefully. (laughs) Here's what I want us to see. When you and I, prior to learning Christ, we were in this image one drawer dressers. Meaning what? Meaning the only thing we could draw from was the fact that we were separated from God and therefore our hearts were hard, calloused, 
our thinking was darkened and futile, and our actions were sensual, impure, and greedy. Just, in other words, they were self-serve. It was the only drawer that we could draw from. So every day prior to learning Christ, we put on the same futile thinking, the same sinful behaviors. We were created to be more than a one-drawer dresser, but this was our only drawer. These, you ever have a dresser where these are just fake? There's a knob there, and then you pull on them like, ah, cheapos, they bought a knob, they didn't build a drawer. <laughs> you and I were not made to be one-drawer dressers, but because we were dead in our sin, we were one-drawer dressers. When we came to Christ, we became, if you will, three-drawer dressers, and I'll define them for us in a moment. But if we're going to change, the first thing we need to do, and this is often hard, is to, we have spent our entire life living out of that same drawer and putting on the same thoughts, the same behavior. We have to start learning to do what, did it say? What was the word? Two words? Lay aside. And you all know that it If we're going to dress new, live new, it starts with this laying aside the old stuff. Do you still have some old stuff in like your physical dresser or maybe your physical closet? You still have old stuff and you pick it out and then you look at it and you think, wow, that's out of style. That never occurs to me, but I'm told, well, Doug, by my ears, that's out of style. Why? Uh, that's out of style. And they go, here's some new stuff. You got to lay aside. The, you grab stuff and you go, that's out of style. Or you go, hmm, that was 15 pounds ago. That doesn't fit anymore. Or just kind of, that's not me anymore. That's, I think that's a great picture for us to think spiritually. Because when we pull out impurity... We need to go, that's not me anymore. That's who I used to be, but that's not me. And then do what you do. You just lay it aside. Now, if we really, practically in real life, we go, man, I'm not going to just lay it aside. I'm going to take it to goodwill or throw it out. Because sometimes you look at it and you go, nobody should wear that anymore. I'm not even going to give it to somebody else. And you toss it. What's that called? That's called heaven. Seriously, when all of the old is completely gone, when the presence of sin is completely gone, Christ is done with the, the penalty of sin, forgive me, the power of sin broken my slave. In heaven, the presence of sin will be gone. Right now, in our spiritual life, we learn to go, oh, I used to wear that. I don't wear that anymore. We lay it aside. Now, a few details. What I just declared is this. The old self is no longer intended. That's not me anymore. But it's still available. It won't be available once the presence of sin is gone. But right now, this is why change is often hard, is the old stuff is still available to you. Your old ways of thinking, your old behavior is still available. And what makes it hard is that they are familiar, comfortable, and easier. My kids might go, Dad, those jeans, wow. They finally came to me and they said, those baggy things that you wear? No, 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 you can't wear those anymore. But I'm like, oh, but they're like comfortable. And they're like, yeah. No. Isn't there some things, patterns in your life, your spiritual life, where you're going, it's just easier. It's easier to say yes to the old desires than it is to lay them aside. Because most of us like easy, we don't change. We like familiar. We like comfortable. And changing's hard. And so we don't lay aside. It starts with laying aside. So if it's easy and comfortable, why would I? 
Well, here's some understanding of why we lay aside the old. First, we recognize that the easier leads to a longer, harder path. That's the reality of sin. See, it's not that God has said, hey, you've had enough fun now. Now I want your life to be miserable till you get to heaven. No, actually sin is what you might think of as candy-coated cyanide. In other words, wow, it tastes good at first. There's a passing pleasure of sin. Let's not deny it. That's the candy-coated. And then it leads to, there's a way that seems right to man then, and therein is death. There's a longer, harder path. And so uh, for you and I to be able to go, well, let me give you an example. If I used to go to Florida State University and then I transferred to the University of Florida and it was Thanksgiving weekend when they always play together and my old FSU jersey is in here and the game's at Florida and now I'm a Florida student. Do I take out my Florida State University shirt and put it on and go to the game in Gainesville? Yeah, <laughs> see, I do. Yes, you do. No. That's the people who never change and get beat up. <laughs> There's a longer, harder path for that fool, right? <laughs> no, you go, oh, I'm not going to do that anymore. Not only because that's not who I am, I'm now a gator. <laughs> I understand sin has consequences. Longer, harder path. And I've learned it the hard way. Most of us have learned the hard way that sin is a passing pleasure with a much longer, harder path. And we get stupid in the moment and we think, ah, maybe not this time. Folks, the next time you're tempted, you, you think of putting on old paths, remember, that's a longer, harder path. And it's not you anymore. You really have changed teams, if you will. Your allegiance has gone from self to Christ. You learned him. Life is not, truth is not found in me. Truth and life is found where? Where did it say? In Jesus. And so, I'm not putting on all the old behaviors that served me anymore because that's not me and I've learned that leads to death and hard. I'm going to lay it aside. We're never going to change until we learn to lay aside. And ultimately, and sometimes we don't think about this or, or just acknowledge this enough. When I refuse to lay aside, I am inviting the discipline of the Lord in my life. So it starts with laying aside. It's still available. I'll still be tempted to put it on, but I can lay aside. Key to laying it aside is the next step of what verse 23 said, the mind renewed. In other words, I now have a new drawer. I've been given the mind of Christ. I won't always think of the mind of Christ with the mind of Christ. The mind has to be Renewed, And when it comes to renewing the mind, we understand that behavior flows from thoughts. So I'm not going to live new ways until I think new thoughts. I recognize that conformity happens naturally, but transformation requires a new mind. So I don't know if you understand that if you don't do anything, you're not going to change. And it doesn't st stop with, well, I try and lay it aside. I try and lay it aside. If you don't renew your mind, you will lose sight of the discipline of the Lord, of the reality of who you are now, the old you, and you will lose sight of the fact that it's the longer, harder path. You'll deceive yourself. Simply, in case you don't catch what I'm saying, the mind's renewed with Scripture by reading it, listening to it, memorizing it, singing it. 
It's why the power of worship music, praise, is important in our lives because it's part of renewing our mind. And a new mind leads to new behavior. Renewed with Scripture. Where there's failure to change, there is almost always an avoiding of this book. See, if I want to change, but I'm not willing to embrace a daily process of this mind being renewed, I'm probably not going to change. I'll change for a little bit. But I won't change for long because the change will not come from a renewed mind. It will simply have come from a renewed determination. And renewed determination never lasts long. It's a renewed mind that will change behavior. That's why it says, verse 23, lay aside, renew your mind. Let me read you a quick example from a man in our congregation. The truth by which I used to live my life was according to my feelings. It was a life marked by fruitlessness and an overall ineptitude as a husband. One which ultimately was exposed and called into question before a biblical counselor here at our Hope Center. Throughout counseling, I was tasked with specific Bible passages to read each week in Scripture. But after a year... I actually hadn't read a single passage and managed to skate by in discussion by saying generic and trite things. In other words, he had grown up in church. He didn't read the passages. He could just talk as if he read. But here's what he says by his testimony. The result, no change. When full exposure of alcohol abuse, sexual immorality, and fits of anger finally reached the surface... I was in desperation mode. With my marriage in turmoil, I decided I had tried it my way and now needed an alternate way. So I sat down and I opened the word of God. The change was not immediate. But as I sat down and read each day, I began to encounter the living God in Scripture. And I felt a starvation being satiated that I didn't even know I had. See, that's fascinating to me. There is in you, as a child of God, a hunger for the Word of God. But sometimes we've spent so much time filling our lives and our hearts with and our minds with other things that we have lost any sense of how much we hunger for it until we start reading. And that was like, this is what I've been missing. As Christ became central in my mind, I experienced a heart change and my appetite for worldly pleasures diminished. I was a troubled man with worldly sorrow whom the Lord met in his word with grace to produce godly sorrow and the miracle of repentance. Did you catch all that? Listen again. As Christ became central in my mind, I experienced a heart change. And my appetite for worldly pleasures diminished. I was a troubled man with worldly sorrow. And troubled people with worldly sorrow, by the way, never change. But watch. Whom the Lord met in his word, with grace to then produce godly sorrow and the miracle of repentance. I had only known about Christ, but by the power of his word, he opened my eyes and I began to know him personally as Lord and Savior. His word began changing me from the inside. I could walk by faith and not feelings, to put off the old self and put on the new self. It became more joyful me joyful to die to the desires of my flesh than to partake in them so that I could live in a way that was pleasing to the Lord. Now that's a heart change. I actually found greater joy in doing the will of the Lord than in serving my own self and desires. In his kindness, he also restored my marriage. I've been 
set free to live a transformed life. Not perfectly, but the more I veil myself to the word of God and abide in him, the more I experience joy, peace, and hope that empowers me and sustains me. See, I cannot emphasize enough the relation between if I'm going to change, there has to be a laying aside of the old, but that laying aside of the old is a byproduct of a mind renewed. And we are fooling ourselves to think that I'm going to change and not be a man or a woman who is regularly, consistently in the scriptures being reminded who God is, who I am, what he's done for me, and how I would live in joy and life. It starts (laughs) for this to happen. This has to happen. I guess really I'm just pleading with you. If you know you need to change, and all of us do, and you've tried and you've tried and you haven't, You might say it differently. The story might unfold a little differently. But at some point, this drawer, the renewing of my mind, stopped in your life. And change stopped. But I have to take then the third step. What's this? What's this? I put aside... I renew my mind and then I, I put on. The third step, the new you must be put on. I want us to understand. The new has been made mine, but, but I have to put it on. <laughs> you understand that? I, I have to. The drawer of the righteousness of Christ that was not present in my life, this was the only drawer, is now present in my life. So there's a three-step process. I go, no, I lay that aside because I've renewed my mind. And my renewed mind has told me not only who I'm not anymore, but who I am. And so I lay this aside with a renewed mind and I put on the righteousness of Christ. I put on love. I put on joy. I put on patience. I put on kindness. I put on gentleness. I put on the righteousness of Christ. Why do I put on that? I put it on because that is who I am. I put on the new because I am new, just like I lay aside the old because that's not me anymore. Can you put this into your real life? You reach in. You reach for the old sin that you've always reached for. And the Spirit of God, because you have renewed your mind, goes, that's not you. Oh, but nobody will know. But it's not you. But you won't get caught. But it's not you. Oh, but it'll taste good. But it's not you. Man, I hope that rings in your ears in the coming days. And when you go to put on, whether whatever impurity it is, that you will hear the Spirit of God say to you, that's not you. And you'll lay it aside. (laughs) But we don't live naked. (laughs) And you'll put on purity or truth or generosity or kindness sacrifice compassion what what wasn't used to be you is now you because you're new and the righteousness of Christ and all that he is is made available to you you've been made righteous and you can live righteously because the Holy Spirit in you and here's maturity as I grow in Christ, Christ I put on the new in spite of how I feel This is really when we're growing. You see, when life's good, sometimes we're like, oh yeah, life's good, God's good. Matt reminded me how the Lord intervened in my life and I I don't want to do that. And we put on the new. And it's like, yeah, this is awesome. And then life gets hard. 
And when we, life gets hard, you know where we often go to? The familiar. The old. And when I'm growing in Christ, I go, I don't feel like doing the hard, but this is still not me. Because I've been renewing my mind. And I deliberately lay aside, I walk away, I turn it off. Whatever it is practically laying aside, I walk away, I turn it off, I don't say it. And I go somewhere new, I say something new. I respond in some new way that reflects the righteousness of Christ. It happens that quick, doesn't it? Both the best and the worst thing about being a teacher is these things just ring to you. There were so many times, literally yesterday, I was like, hmm? Seriously. And that's a good moment for you. That's why I pray that that would be for you. It's different for you to hear it than me to teach it. You might have to listen to this again. Well, watch it again. Because people who are listening have been, what is he beating on? <laughs> but seriously, you may need to listen and listen again and again. Renew your mind so that you hear in that moment, that's not you. This is you. And you put on the righteousness of Christ. Now, I, uh, one more word and then we're done. Some of you are thinking, oh, I know the person who needs to hear this. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm reading your faces right now. You can't wait to send them the link. How about this? You live it for 30 days and then send them a link and say, this changed my life. That'll be much better. Father, thank you that we can change. Not by our determination, but according to the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of the cross. Thank you. Would we walk in newness of life? And I don't want to just say that for you. Would you say it in this quiet moment? Cry out to the Lord in your own life. How you need to change. Ask him, Lord, teach me these truths that it would change me. We pray it in the name of Jesus, for his glory, our joy. Amen. Have a great weekend.